Today, we're going to talk about the biggest questions remaining after the offseason. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, February 5th, 2024. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can join today and get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All righty. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Happy Monday to all. We are officially back to five episodes a week here on Locked On Tigers. We will officially return to truly being your team every day, Monday through Friday from now until next, the, you know, post Thanksgiving in 2024. We are Locked and loaded here back in uh, season mode. Uh, obviously, we have still a week, week and a half till pitchers and catchers report. And we will have plenty of fun conversations in uh, as that comes around. And as just the sights and sounds of baseball being played again down in Lakeland, Florida is going to be a beautiful thing here very, very soon. We are, we are very quickly right around the corner from it. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, if you were a listener in the show back of the show, back in the early off-season, uh, in October-ish, right? We really drew a line in the sand at one point. We were like, we're having one more conversation, completely recapping the 2023 season. And then after this, everything from here on out is going to be looking ahead and talking about strictly the off-season. That's not today's show for this part of the calendar, but we're approaching it. And we're going to approach it today by talking about uh, the biggest questions that we still have and that I still have after the offseason, right? I want to wait to do my official, you know, offseason recap as a whole until a few more of these bigger names that are still on the board kind of get off the board so we can just really know that we're done with the offseason, right? I don't want to get caught, you know, red-handed kind of cheating early there. Um, so we're, we'll wait for a little bit, but we'll definitely do that, obviously, before pitchers and catchers report and and whatnot. And that'll kind of be our official, like I said, line in the sand, you know, everything from here on out is going to be looking ahead, but I want to, I want to kind of, I don't know, ease into and start walking toward that line that is in the sand that I've said four times now already. I do want to start approaching that. And one of the things that I think is an important conversation to have is what is everyone's biggest takeaways and, and questions that we all still have after the offseason, presumably, is done. I don't see the Tigers doing anything else crazy, but just rather be safe than sorry with the official recap. So, uh, but but I think this is an important conversation to have. I, I think it's really important to get all out there, you know, right before people start reporting to camp. What are our biggest questions? And we will also have when pitchers and catchers report, and when probably when the whole team reports and spring training really gets underway. <clears throat> excuse me, goodness, almost just choked on air. Um, we are going to have a conversation about the biggest storylines to watch in spring training. 
I think for this, there's only one kind of clear storyline that's going to overlap from this conversation and that one. But everything else, I want to really focus on off-season moves that were made specifically or lack thereof in some of these conversations as well. I, I want them to be questions about the moves that were or were not made in the off-season and how they are applicable to the 2024 season. So what, I'll, I'll, let's start off with kind of a, a less dramatic one and not you know the biggest storyline in the world. But a question that I do have after the offseason is how trustworthy, I guess, how confident, there's the word, how confident are we that Carson Kelly is just guaranteed the backup catcher and going to be performing well enough to be the backup catcher for all of 2024? How confident, what is our confidence in that, Right. Um, I love all catchers. Uh, they are my favorite people on the planet. I was a catcher growing up. Uh, it's my favorite position in sports, right? To no surprise to anyone, I make that pretty clear all the time. Um, so I I love what Carson Kelly showed defensively at the end of last season, but he certainly left a lot on the table offensively. And you're trying to find this balance of how much playing time is Carson Kelly going to get, right? Jake Rogers is clearly the 1A behind the plate, right? That no one is going to debate that. Jake Rogers, very clearly your starting catcher going into the season. But it's not a righty-lefty platoon between Kelly and Rogers. So you're you're not like, oh, Kelly's going to get all the starts against, you know, righties. Like you're it's probably going to look pretty like Jake Rogers is, is it doesn't matter who's on the mound, he's going to be the presumed 1A, but um with how much offense we was left on the table with how little offense we saw, I guess I should say. Um, how much of a leash is a pure backup catcher, not even really a platoon, a, a pure backup catcher going to get for this team? And if it truly is just if he's calling good games and if the pitching staff liked him, then he can have an OPS of 590. We don't care. He's going to be the backup catcher for the team this year. Then so be it, right? So be it. But like this is kind of, you know, setting up for the rest of the show. These are the questions I have. This is not a, a storyline going into spring training whatsoever, right? So it's it that's kind of where in my brain it's separating. It's a very fine line to walk. There are some overlaps here. So if you have one that you're thinking of that I don't bring up, I'm sure I'll bring it up or, or we'll have a discussion about it in like the, the spring training preview stuff. Um, but like Akil Badu, we can spoil that one. He's going to be one of the bigger storylines in spring training. He wasn't involved in any offseason stuff, though, so he's not going to be talked about in this one. You know what I'm saying? But um, on the 40-man roster, it's Jake Rogers, Carson Kelly, and Dylan Dingler. And uh, I don't think they want Dylan Dingler to make his Major League debut in, like, April, right? I, I think that would only – the only reason that would happen is if Rogers or Kelly, unfortunately, got hurt. I, I think if everyone's healthy, uh, Dingler's going to start off the season in AAA. So what is the line – of of production that you need to have him be the solidified backup catcher how confident are we that picking up his option was the right move it wasn't a fruitful catching class as far as free agency goes but there were some guys you could legitimately argue you know have a have a excuse or or a reason or a justification to be a team's backup catcher uh more than Carson Kelly's resume over the last couple of years as well so that's a, a small storyline that at the end of 2024, I highly doubt, and it could have pie on my face, I guess, on this take, but like I highly doubt this is going to be like one of the more controversial 
topics amongst the fan base, but it is a question that I that I have, and it's something that I wanted to point out. Uh, my next one is going to be Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty was given a decent contract by the Detroit Tigers, right? This was not some, what, 14 mil AAV. This was not some, like, oh, we're just giving you a one-year deal for, you know, well, uh, a one-year deal worth, you know, five, seven, even nine, ten million dollars. Like, they gave him decent AAV to the point where they are really kind of proclaiming that he is going to be in this starting rotation for the entire year. And I guess just given the moves that we did make and when looking at the player value and the contract value that was given out by this team, there's a very, in my eyes, right? I don't want to speak for the entire fan base, but there's a very small chance that I'm going to wake up one morning and severely regret the Colt Keith contract just because it's it's so team-friendly in my eyes. And I think he's going to be good as well. He's young. Full of potential, right? We we like what we see in him. But even if he like sucks, that's something that you can kind of eat and manage. That's one year of Javi Baez spread right across six years, right? Or like Javi, for instance, right? Like that. I think pr- everyone's pretty much aware that he's not hitting and and just producing in general what he is getting paid uh, on a yearly basis. Um, so when you have a guy like Flaherty, that most people across the league were like, "Wow, that feels like an overpay." Uh, but if he can return to form even a little bit from what he once was in St. Louis, then maybe it's a great deal. We'll see. Uh, that is a guy more so than anyone else in the rotation, right? When you like Maeda, that's about was a, almost exactly predicted market value for Kenta Maeda. Um, and the other guys are all in their first six years, right? Scooble, arbitration, not getting paid too much. Like Matt Manning, obviously, same boat. Reese Olsen, maybe not even starting the majors, similar boat. Casey Mize, big question, but not part of an offseason move. Everyone's aware that he was going to be in the rotation. As far as people you brought in, I think Flaherty, and given the amount of money you put behind Jack Flaherty, uh, there's a big question on, is he going to live up to this? Is he going to be worth this contract you gave him? Now, obviously, this is not going to hinder you long-term, even if he's terrible, right? This was, you didn't sign him to a, to a long-term contract. So even if he's, he's dreadful, let's say he has like a 12 ERA and he's awful. Um, it's still, it's only a this year thing, but hindsight will end up being 2020 and you can very easily look back and go, wow, there was probably a lot better usages of $14 million in that off season. That's all I'm trying to say. So that's another one kind of in a similar breath to the Carson Kelly, but obviously much lower contract and much lower AAV that I have questions about. Uh, is that going to be a contract that's looked at as a, a, a worthwhile risk that the Tigers took? Only time will tell. Okay, let's keep the ball rolling. Got a few more of these to go over, and then we will send you off on your merry way. Uh, never said that before. Let's get into it right after this. Happy Super Bowl, everybody, to all of those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. Uh, There's always some awesome bets. There is... Uh, you know, what color the Gatorade's going to be, the heads and tails on the coin toss, how long the national anthem is going to be. I'm pretty sure that, I mean, there, there's talks about like maybe even we have props on uh, like a, a Kelsey 
and Swift situation after the game. Like there, there's so much going on and so much fun stuff to take a look at. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. That being said, you can also do traditional stuff like which players will score, how many points will be scored, uh, and so much more. New customers can join today and get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back tomorrow. Haven't said that in a while. Also, be sure to check out Locked On Sports today, which is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Uh, also, uh, just programming, we will have some more of these off-season conversations. We'll do an off-season recap, then we'll kind of transition to spring training mode. Uh, we'll do that gradually over the next week and a half, two weeks here. Also going to start rolling out our player previews, uh, where we just talk, you know, break down one player in depth, talk about kind of the expectations for that player going into the 2024. We'll probably do a few in episodes so we can get through as many as possible, uh, we'll have a mailbag probably next week. So don't hold your questions. Don't put them in the comments of this video. Uh, wait until I think the like next Monday. So if you want to wait and ask them on this Friday's episode, that would be the time to do it. Let's get back into this conversation. Biggest question marks that I have and that uh, uh, based on conversations I've had with other people that uh, kind of the fan base may still have after this offseason is now starting to become in the review mirror. Second base, and this is more so a Colt Keith conversation than anything else. Obviously, Colt Keith is going to be one of the most talked about and looked at and kind of put under a microscope players in spring training and in the early part of the 2024 season. But this is more so the just the overall approach to second base, right? This free agency, you did not address second or third, which we'll talk about in a second, at all, right? And you have players that can play there. You have your Zach McKinstries. You have your Andy Abanez. You have your Ryan Kreidlers, right? Like you have guys that can play second and third. So if you didn't bring in anybody or if you didn't sign Colt Keith to the extension and it wasn't presumed that he was going to be the opening day second baseman, then you could you could manage and you could piece it together with similar production and lineup cards that you had last year. But I think you are putting all of your cookies in the Colt Keith jar. And I love Colt Keith, right? More than anybody. I am so high on this kid. I think he can be an incredible talent. I'm very, very excited, very excited about Colt Keith. Um, but it, it is putting all your chips on the table because because you didn't address second or third now if he struggles and he has to start off you know in the minors or whatever in the start of the season you're, you're gonna roll out an outfield of like torque Baez, veerling abanez or mckinstry or Kreidler, etc right um like you you really need that to work out 
<laughs> and I think it will. This is again, these are questions that just don't have an answer right now. Not necessarily that this is all like positive or negative connotation. I believe in Colt Keith. That's not what I'm trying to say whatsoever. Um, but that is second base could become a question very quickly just because you don't really have a safety valve outside of just the platoon players that you had last year. And that transitions into the much broader and kind of more dramatic conversation about third base. This is the one big overlap between this conversation and the one we have in a week and a half, two weeks about biggest storylines going into spring training, right? I tried to separate them in my brain. The ones that I picked for this one and that one makes sense, but uh, maybe having a hard time articulating which ones belong in which category. This is the one clear overlap, right? Because it's one of the biggest storylines in the entire organization. And that is the... I don't want to call it a failure because I don't know if it's a failure yet, but the complete lack of addressing third base. And we don't have to go super in depth on this because my goodness feels like we've had this conversation the last like four episodes in a row. And I don't just want to like regurgitate the same conversation over and over again, but you did not bring in any outside help to be, to play third base this off season. And in spring training, it's going to be one of the most talked about and maybe the biggest storyline is going to be who is going to take the third base job and run with it. We've been presuming Matt Beerling this entire offseason. Andy Abanez was an above league average hitter last year. I think that that's on the table. Obviously, McKinstry can be kind of a platoon, right? Showed a little bit of life against righties, especially in the month of May. We'll see what happens. Jace Young later in the year, et cetera. Again, regurgitating conversations. I'm sorry. Um, but this is, without a doubt, one of, if not the biggest, single biggest question mark that people are going to have after the offseason is why was third base not addressed at all? I don't love Matt Chapman. I, I don't love Jamer Candelario. I, I certainly was not in love with Justin Turner moving back to third after not having played it for two years and being 40 almost, right? Like, I, I didn't love the free agent class. But you had assets, you had opportunities to improve in other ways besides just free agency. And you really did none of them. And so I think that that is without a doubt, again, one of, if not the biggest question mark kind of heading into this season and, and after taking a look back at the offseason is what the heck, why was nothing done at third base? Let's keep the ball rolling. Got a couple more conversations to have and then, like I said, we will send you on with your Monday. We will do all of that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all so much for tuning in, uh, making us your first listen every single day. So talking about the biggest questions after this offseason, uh, Moves that were made, lack of moves that were made, etc. My biggest questions after the offseason. Okay. My next one is going to be innings out of the starting rotation. Uh, I, I, again, I'm going to reiterate for the millionth time. This is not me saying that it won't work for any of these. I love Colt Keith. I think Flaherty has upside. I think Carson Kelly could, you know, stick throughout the entire season. All of these are possible. They're just the biggest questions that I have after the offseason and, and kind of getting a, a confidence you know, gauge based on some moves that were made. You had two options 
in my eyes, with addressing starting pitching rotation. You had option A, and this isn't A or B me ranking them. This is just for the sake of having two different kind of a fork in the road here. You had option A, which was you go out and you get guys that are proven, quote-unquote, innings eaters that you are confident can pitch a, a solid amount of innings. Um, and you go into the season with five or six guys that you're confident can be a starting pitcher for your team and you're not too worried about the health of, or you do option B, which I think is a little bit more in line with what the Tigers actually ended up doing, and that is you go, you know what? Pitcher, pitching injuries are going to happen no matter what. They are unavoidable. They are are something that uh, I wish we could stop. But based on the last two or three years of Tigers baseball, this is going to happen whether we like it or not. So we might as well just get a bunch of pitchers, bring in a bunch of talent. And whether it's free agency, you know, minor league deals, et cetera, uh, internally, right, promotions, people that did make their debuts, right, like Sawyer Gibson, Long Resource, and et cetera, that probably won't make the opening day roster, uh, and, and and the like, and you just go, you know what, we're not going to look at past and we're not going to look at how many innings they've been giving us or they've been giving whatever team they've been on. We are just going to get as many pitchers as possible and uh, be prepped for the injuries that inevitably will happen. And if we have 12 different starters this year, then so be it. We have 12 different starters that we're somewhat at least confident in for this upcoming season to start games for us. Um, I don't disagree with the route they took. Uh, I, in a perfect world, I would have liked to have gotten somebody who was uh, a little bit more of a proven track record and a little bit more of a guarantee to give you 150 plus innings because uh, I've said it a lot this offseason. I think you have an entire rotation of guys who are not guaranteed to be. I don't think a single person on this rotation is even remotely close to guaranteed going to give you even 100 and 40 or 150 innings on the mound. But you you combated that with getting a lot of them. <laughs> and you have a lot of guys that might. And you have a lot of guys that could. And you have a lot of guys who have been pretty darn good at certain points in their career. Uh, and then obviously you have Scooble kind of leading the rotation if he can stay healthy. So that is another question I have is just, is, was this the right choice? Or are you going to have 80 injuries and you are going to be going, man, I really wish we got somebody with a little bit more of a proven track record of staying healthy. That's a very fine line, too. That's not like a predictable thing. And I realize that it's, well, the best indication of future injuries that we have is past injuries. But there also is a absolute massive form of unpredictability and randomness to it. And especially with pitchers more than anything else. So, this isn't like an exact science. And again, I'm not saying this was the wrong call. It's just, again, another question that I have going forward uh, for this season is, are we finally, after three years, pretty much, of just injury bug, injury bug, injury bug, uh, do we finally have enough, enough depth to kind of combat that if it does happen again? Or are we going to be looking around going, wow, we signed a bunch of injury-prone pitchers and now we have a bunch of injured pitchers? Who could have seen that coming? So that's another question I have. The bullpen. One of my last ones here. Uh, I think in the spring 
training kind of preview, biggest storylines to watch in the spring conversation, one of the biggest ones is going to be who is the ninth inning pitcher for this team. Or in A.J. Hinch lingo, who is the highest leverage reliever for this baseball team this year? We're going to put it that way because that's not always the ninth inning as we know with A.J. But uh, that is, that's going to be kind of the, the spring conversation. And I think when looking back, it's similar to looking and having this offseason conversation, right? You didn't get anybody who's guaranteed a ninth inning or your guaranteed highest leverage reliever. You kind of went out there and got a lot of really solid middle relievers, and you're hoping that you can piece together a really good bullpen throughout the season. Not saying it can't work. Just, again, a fork in the road, and you chose one way, and another way was very much on the table. We'll see if it works. Not saying it won't. Um, but I, I think that that just the construction of it as well, uh, you got Chafin, which helps a lot, but I think Joey Wentz is, is that's another spring training conversation, right? Joey Wentz is going to be, uh, he's out of options. And for as much as everyone likes to like rag on the dude and kind of dog on him because of how much he struggled, his fastball struggled. The other pitches weren't awful and he had a pretty decent changeup this past year and he's out of options. I don't know if the Tigers just want to get rid of him for nothing. Uh, so trying to find him a place in the bullpen as well, that will give you Holton, Chafin, Wentz. That'll give you a solid amount of lefties there. Kind of Wentz with the long relief ability as well. Uh, but I think that the, the bullpen construction is something that if the bullpen struggles in the first six weeks of the season, we can very, very easily look back to this conversation we're having on February 5th and go, you know what, man? They they didn't do enough in the bullpen. They didn't get a guaranteed high leverage guy, and now we're just sitting around with a bunch of middle relievers and no one can pitch in the eighth or ninth inning for us. I think that's on the table. I don't think it's likely. I'll say that. I love Jason Foley too much. Shelby Miller had a great year. Tyler Holton had a great year. Andrew Chafin is two years removed from a great year. You have some names. I'm actually the more confident about this bullpen than I have been in a while, and we'll get to that when I start doing previews. But uh, this is absolutely a question I still have is, are we sure that the roster was constructed in uh, in the best way possible? Okay. And my last point here is, is this a setup and a platform year for next winter? My immediate answer is, I don't know, but it sure as heck better be. Uh, I think that that's kind of a pretty easy a pretty easy answer out of the gate here. It's something that truly only time will tell. I'm not in those rooms. I'm not having those conversations. I don't see the spreadsheets with the numbers on them and, and you know, the finances and whatnot. I don't know. I, I have no clue how, what uh, Scott Harris's budget was this year. I have no clue what it's going to be for the calendar year of 2024. I don't know what it's going to be for next year. I have no idea, man. Um, but I will say that, after 2023, we were like, hey, we didn't really do a whole lot. I'm hoping that that means we're going to do something in 2024. And then they made moves, but they didn't make any big splash moves, any big money moves, bring in any top-end talent. It was, But it was a really bad free agent class. And that's a very easy counter to that and one that I think is totally fair, right? So, uh, and again, we talked about that a lot throughout the offseason as well, just how weak this free agency class was. 
So then that kind of was like, all right, maybe that wasn't fair to just say like, okay, you don't spend in offseason one. You have to spend in offseason two because I don't want you to spend stupid money either. We've dealt with plenty of of that over the last seven or eight years of Tigers fandom, right? I don't want you to just spend to spend. So there's a fine line to walk there. Next offseason is going to be your Scott Harris's third offseason. If this year goes decently well for you, you're going to be at at you know at least hopefully again cross your fingers, uh, you know <laughs> ask hope that the universe is not uh, and the baseball gods are are not uh, too upset at the city of Detroit like they have been for the last what seems to be decade. But even if you're around 500 again, you're going to be a young team that's still trying to get you know on the rise. You're in a weak division, and the offseason will be better than the last one. I think that that would please a lot of people. I think that that would give a lot of optimism for the future of this team. I think people just want something to be super excited about. And they people want a clear, like the the corner has been turned moment. I, I, I really think that's the biggest thing. I don't think it's necessarily just about throwing money out just to throw money out. I, I think people and the fan base really just want, you know what, that's, a statement that we are here and we are trying to win this thing. And we are actively trying to get better and trying to win games and are, are going to do anything in our power to make that happen. And I think people are really just waiting for that kind of statement to be made. And uh, there's been a lot of improvements. There's been a lot of stuff left on the table. We already talked about a lot of that in this episode, right? Third base, especially. Um, but I, I think that, that is the, the one of the questions I get asked very often is, hey, we were quiet again. Does that mean next offseason? I don't know. I don't know. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back tomorrow, back to five episodes a week, baby. We're going to start our player previews. Um, yeah, I, I, again, I just felt like this conversation was just important to have. I, I thought it was... Uh, an important thing, you know, as we start to put the offseason behind us, uh, I think it's important to kind of go over, okay, as we start turning our focus to to this year, what are some of the things that as we go throughout the year, we can point back to and be like, hey, that was a mistake that happened in the offseason. We should have done this better or else we wouldn't be in this situation in June or vice versa. Hey, that was something that I questioned that the team absolutely hit a home run on, no pun intended, and and did really well on and uh, was something that really ended up being in the Tigers' favor. But um, these are, are kind of the biggest questions I have after the offseason. Let me know yours. Uh, like I said, there is uh, uh, an episode looming that will be about biggest questions heading into spring training. And that'll be a little bit closer to, you know, pitchers and catchers reporting and actually, you know, spring training uh, next week here. So. Keep an eye out for that. Um, but in the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow. All right. Peace and love going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.